This interview is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. In Practice is an independent publisher and all opinions expressed by guests are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinion of In Practice. Catherine, can you start with just a, a brief introduction to your experience at IKEA? Yes, of course. So I have spent all my career at IKEA, uh, working uh, 31 years in that uh, fantastic company uh, at different positions in different in four different countries. Uh, and I finished my career at IKEA as the CEO of IKEA Belgium and Luxembourg. Can we take a step back then and 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 look at the time when you were managing the first store, you know, in your career? I think it's in Bordeaux in the early two thousands. Can you just make a, a picture of you know the size of the store, the square footage, the rough turnover, the number of employees, so we can get a sense of what it's like to actually run a. IKEA store. Yeah, that store was considered as a medium store uh, when I arrived at IKEA, but we enlarge it and we rebuild it, and we finish with uh, twenty thousand square meters, meaning, if I remember right, two uh, two hundred seventy thousand uh, foot uh, square foot age. It's about. 350 co-workers inside, working inside, and um, a nice turnover because we are talking about uh, one more than uh, 110 millions. And at that time, was the click and collect or online or was it only in-store? Only in-store at that time. Clink, clink and collect it's during the, the or almost during the pandemics. IKEA has decided to develop uh, that new services. But uh, at the beginning, it that didn't exist at all. And how would the store structure? Because there's like a warehouse at the, obviously a warehouse part and, a, and then a kind of showroom part. So how, how would you describe the two different sections, if you will? In fact, you have different places in the store. Uh, of course, you have the entrance, you have the showroom. Uh, where you, you have furniture exposed uh, mainly, and you have the market hall and the self-serve, and of course the cash line, and of course on top you have restaurants and uh, and um, Swedish uh, shop and bistro, Swedish Swedish cafe, uh, to relax a bit because it's a long journey to do uh, shopping at, at IKEA. Can you briefly explain how? the IKEA model works. So from my understanding, you know, obviously it's a franchise model. There's there's what they call the franchise business, the supplier business, the range business. How does that all interconnect for you as a store manager? Yeah, the, the store manager, it's really a, a fantastic position because you will have, in fact, the concept, a strong concept delivered to you as a franchisee. You will have the range uh, with a strong identity of the range, all the goods. Uh, and when you are selling one piece of something, one piece is, co- is coming, more or less. Uh, but of course, you are not selling just one piece. Uh, so. And um, you will have just to um, manage 350 uh, people with a management team, of course, and different function in, in that team. And you will have to uh, be careful of your PNL and to develop the turnover and to make growth development. So the supplier, what they call the supply business, that's effectively 
you know, partly the manufacturing assets that IKEA owns that manufacture part of the products, but also this this business deals with all the suppliers, right? So they they effectively procure all the all the inventory, all the products that they then supply to the franchisees. Exactly. You don't have to care about that when you are working in a store. The the goods arrive, and uh, you have just to uh, to 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 care of. Um, the, the, the merchandising to, uh, of course, uh, make some choice on different uh, sales points where you will put the, the, the goods and how you will present the, the furniture or the accessories. Right. So you would just have some kind of order management system that links up to the supplier, your, the supply business that would just kind of automatically replenish your inventory. Exactly. Yeah. And in the range business, is that, I mean, that's, that's obviously part of the, uh, yeah, I guess also part of the IKEA parent. So that they deal with the new products and, and launching new ranges, I guess. Yes. In fact, about the range, you have to know all products are designed by Sweden, IKEA of Sweden. And uh, every time they are designing a product, they are asking in a different trade office in the world who trade office will be able to provide them uh, quantity and also quality concerning that product. So they are launching uh, that uh, that offer to uh, all uh, trading uh, markets. And one, of course, will gain the the deal and will be able, one country will, or supplier will be able to produce it. Um, but it's always like that. That means, uh, in terms of efficiency, it's really, really, really good. And the suppliers, are they exclusively for IKEA or are they also working with other furniture retailers? You have both. Uh, you have some factories are only dedicated to IKEA and owned by IKEA. Mainly on furniture, for example, if you know the range, packs, uh, uh, metal in, in uh, kitchen, uh, all these kind of products are produced by uh, uh, IKEA factory, mainly in Poland. And uh, for small objects or s- small accessories, it depends. It's yeah, it's produced in in the world, mainly in Europe. Uh, by the way, sixty sixty percent of the range. Are produced in in Europe, and yes, uh, it's a small supplier, big suppliers, and sometimes several suppliers for the same product to be sure to have the volume. What? Why is so much of the inventory produced in Europe? I guess it's because each country are yeah, each country is a kind of specialist of or expert of some some articles. I would say, for example, Portugal uh, is expert in ceramic. You have, uh, for example, glass. It's sometimes in France. Uh, you have, you know, this kind of speciality from country to another. And why in Europe? Uh, I'm guessing it's because uh, cost transportation is uh, less important. And uh, especially nowadays, uh, where we have difficulties to import goods from China or from Asia in general. But it also must be cheaper if you get it from, I guess, Vietnam or... Taiwan or those cheaper places? It depends for what. For some products, yes. For example, all um, accessory made in bamboo, uh, of course, is not coming from Europe because the raw material is, is not in Europe, <laughs> for sure. So this kind of uh, articles, yes, of course, it's uh, it's better to produce it in, in, uh, in Asia. 
some articles are produced in um, in Asia, for example, uh, everything with cotton, um, made in most of the time in India. It's because the cotton is there. So the, again, the raw material is there. Uh, it's not in uh, in Europe. So it's the kind of this kind of logical thinking about the, the supply. You produce where you have either the raw material or either the expertise around the goods. How would you describe IKEA's you know franchise model with these three different call it businesses versus your traditional furniture retailer? I would say IKEA has a, a big strength compared to maybe a traditional retailer. Uh, and its strength is connected to the fact they are producing or almost producing everything or buying to the supplier big, big, huge volume. And they are distributing to the consumer and customers. That means they don't have intermediate in between. So they are able to produce from A to Z. And to, and to deliver to that. So it's really interesting uh, model and uh, business model because you don't have to pay so much intermediate people or in intermediate companies, for example, in a um, hypermarket, uh, food hypermarket. Well, and, but is there, is there any real advantage in having such distinct businesses, i.e. the range business, the supply business, the, you know, the, the, I guess the franchise, the retail section, you know, is that, is there any real advantage to have them so separated? Until now, yes. Maybe for the future, it will be a little bit challenge uh, because it's difficult to be good on each steps of the of the supply uh, from the the factory to the until the, the the customer in a way. But until now, it has been really successful, of course. For the future, hmm, let's see. Why do you think it could be more challenging in the future? Because, for example, the last mile delivery is, um, it's really a challenge for all retailers in general, but mainly for IKEA because, um, for IKEA, you are not transporting, uh, uh, only, uh, small objects, but big furniture. And as it's big, it costs you a lot of money to, uh, to deliver to the customer. And that mild delivery is putting uh, in, in difficulties uh, IKEA at, at that moment. They are working on it, of course. They are trying to find solutions, but it's not easy. Uh, it's a really complex uh, issue. And we can we can talk about logistics in a moment, but you know, back to the time, you know, as a store manager and your responsibility. How did you think about optimizing the inventory? At, at the store level then, given that you don't have to buy anything, you just have to kind of replenish from the supply unit. Like, how did you think about optimizing that inventory per store? In fact, you are optimizing in a way you are presenting the range. Uh, and uh, you are optimizing on also on uh, how you focus on some range more than other, depending on your local market. Because from one store to another or from one city to another, you have differences in a, in a consumer habits. And this is a way you are optimizing your operation in a store, of course. And it's through people because people are, they are really key in your operation. So you could be a, a good, a good store delivering good turnover only if you are taking care of, about people. 
How would you describe the differences in the customer habits between, say, France and Germany? Well, most of the time it's um, colors are an element where you can see difference. For example, in France could be light colors in furniture. In Germany could be more darker. Could be this kind of difference. Of course, it's the same range, but in Germany, you are focusing on the, on dark kitchen, for example, and in France on the light kitchen. Some small difference. Uh, could be also the dimensions of the product. For example, the quilt cover are not the same dimension. So they are produced for Germany, one kind of dimension, and for France or another country, another kind of dimension, for example. And sometimes, really few, you have also some habits and with different kind of products uh, you could use in, in, in France or in Germany or in Europe versus uh, US. For example, in, in US, you have big size of um, mattresses. You have a queen and queen and, uh, and king size. Uh, in France, not. Uh, this kind of difference. So... Uh, that's why you are focusing on uh, on your on the product of your market. What about the actual shopping habits? Then, did you see material differences in the way customers in France versus Germany adopted online or wanted to change the shopping experience in the store? Yes, you have a lot of commonality on that. Uh, not a lot of differences, but you have more some countries where they are more in, in advance on that. For example, UK where the the e-commerce is uh, is just normal and um, it's a really big part of the turnover of IKEA in UK and less, for example, in Belgium. However, of course, Belgium or other countries are developing again under uh, the, the, the e-commerce turnover, but uh, less faster than UK, for example. Before we do get on to the e-commerce stuff, so how, historically, how is the logistics infrastructure being set up for IKEA. So I guess, you know, you're, you have your franchise store, you know, where are the other distribution centers or, or logistics infrastructure for IKEA set up? Mm. So you, in fact, uh, when the, the product is produced, um, that product is going to the big warehouse, central warehouse, uh, spread off, spread in, uh, in, uh, in Europe or in US or in China to be stocked. And afterward, you have a smaller uh, warehouse by country where you have the, the, all the goods for the country need, needs. And afterward, you will have stores. But sometimes you could have also a kind of uh, warehouse closer to big markets, big, uh, big cities as Paris, for example. Uh, in France. So it depends on the size of the country. It depends on the, on the volume of sales of the country, of course, if it's needed or not. But more intermediate warehouse you will have, uh, more will be also a cost for, for your business case. And, uh, and in a way, and on the other side, it will be good to have that store close to the, the customers. So there's one big centralized warehouse in both Europe and the US? Is that what you said? Where the, where the product goes there first for that region or continent? Yeah, you have different... No, you have more than that. Huh? You have uh, several uh, big warehouses, huh? not just two. How many are in France and Germany, for example? 
In France, you have currently three, if I remember right, three warehouses in France, big warehouse. And sometimes the warehouse located in France, for example, can also provide goods to Italy, Spain, uh, really close country. So there is no logical, con- no logical connected to the country, but more logical in terms of efficiency of distributing the goods. And, and so these distribution centers can also supply or fulfill online orders? Or does every, or does the inventory have to go to the store? They are struggling with uh, the last mail delivery. So um, warehouse is clear. They are receiving huge volume of goods and they are spreading the, the, that goods in the store for offline sales. Online sales, you have different kind of online sales. As you know, click and collect is one and, um, and, uh, delivery is another one. So they are trying and they have done a huge step during the pandemic to really prepare goods from the store. Because of course, last mile delivery, you are closer to your customer, the final customers. So of course, the stores are the, the became really a point to distribute goods to the, 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 the closer customers. There's been a huge change because of course, a store is not equipped, is not um, built as a warehouse, even though you have a small warehouse in the store, but it's not enough because most of the time when you are picking goods for, for customers, it's in the store. So you have, of course, in a warehouse for big furniture or in a self-serve for big furniture, and that is quite similar at the, the work in a warehouse uh, or central warehouse. But picking goods in uh, in market hall, for example, for small accessories, it's a challenge because you don't have the the initial packaging, and sometimes it can be broken. So it's 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 not easy to uh, to implement that uh, way of uh, providing goods to the final customers. So it's because the the products are not packaged correctly to then to then ship them out from the store from that store warehouse section that makes it difficult to use the store as a as a fulfillment center for online? Yeah, because in a way, you are using the same packaging for a store, a physical store, and the same packaging to deliver. Uh, so, it, And normally, it's not the same packaging, of course, uh, because you could have a really strong packaging uh, on the pallet and it's good to, to deliver volume, one pallet to the store, but it's not the same packaging to deliver one glass, for example, to the customer. So it's a huge challenge. Can you not set up like packaging lines or units in the warehouse in the store? It's, it's a case, but it's a small machine and it's not always, uh, you don't have always the space to put it. But uh, they have that, uh, but it's not fitting to all kind of form, all kind of product you could have in, in one store. You have really different sizes, different form, uh, and the, you will need maybe more machine or more industrial, I would say, uh, machine engine to, to make it happen. So you have one, maybe, or two, depending on the size of the store, but... Uh, is it doing everything? Mm. A lot of works uh, is uh, is manual. 
is this mainly for smaller products rather than the bigger, large and bulky products like a sofa? Because I guess they're coming from the central warehouse anyway, most probably. Yes, yes. It's more for accessories where it's difficult. For furniture, most of the time it's easier because it's a flat pack or it's already with a, 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 pack, a special packaging for each pieces. And this is not the case for uh, vase, for glasses, for, you know, this kind of product arrive with a big quantity, one palette or big box. And it's difficult to make it for just one glass, for example, or one uh, quick cover. Because, because if I if I go to Ikea and I buy a Pax, you know, wardrobe, the packaging is the same if I buy it in the store and, and put it into my car or if I get it delivered from a from a van. That it's easier. I mean, what are the potential solutions, packaging solutions then for the accessories if you want to use the stores as fulfillment centers? I don't know. I don't know because uh, it's a a, a try for the moment. It's a try because they decided to do that during the pandemics because the store were uh, closed in some countries. So they'll use all the square meters of the store to to organize that uh, uh, delivery to the customer. But now we are coming back hopefully on a normal uh, situation. And again, you don't have a huge space to operate and to do that. So it's a challenge. How they will do in the future? Mm, I don't know. I don't know. At that moment, they didn't crack the code fully. Can they not just reduce some of the space? I don't know, the restaurant or the entrance or these stores are pretty big. Seems to be big, but you, 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 you want to inspire customers and to keep some uh, space for showroom and, and market all. And restaurants are also really profitable. So if you start to use that space uh, for that activity, uh, it will be uh, less profitable. So, and it's a kind of uh, really appreciate uh, service for, for the customer when you are shopping inside the store. You are really happy to uh, have a space where you can sit, you can eat something, reflect on your purchase, and uh, and I don't think IKEA will uh, stop uh, food. What about reducing the the warehouse space, moving that space to the distribution centers or a building or another distribution center, and then using that warehouse space to for packaging? This is already the case. So they have used that one part of the space uh, dedicated to uh, that, that packaging. But due to the volume, it's difficult to balance between, between the space for packaging and the stock you need to operate in the store and to not be in shortage. If, for example, you will have a kind of exceptional sales, you will need stock. You need a buffer. It's, it's, it's kind of mandatory. So as all retailers, huh, it's not only IKEA. It's, it's a little bit easier when you are selling, for example, clothes, because you sell one, you receive one, it's fine. But where, as long as you are selling uh, furniture and big, big volume, it's a challenge. Of course, if you are only selling uh, accessories, can be uh, you can find solutions, easy. But... Furniture takes space by definition, so the warehouse is is standing for something. Not is not empty. Eh? I can tell you. Well, and it's it's challenging because the stores are obviously very expensive, and 
and you need to drive volume through the stores. So you need to have the availability of the inventory, the range available, like you said, inspire the customers. But the stores also are very valuable for last mile delivery. So it's getting that balance that's really, really, really tricky, it seems. It's really tricky. But in a way, depends on, in fact, everything is depending on the share of e-commerce you are doing. For example, we started with one, two, three, five percent of your turnover through e-commerce. At a certain moment during the pandemic, they arrive at 40, 50 percent. So if it's a clear direction going fully on e-commerce, you can make some, make some decision. But if it's a mix between, uh, you know, physical and digital, it's a challenge because the balance is changing all the time and you don't know where the e-commerce share will go. If it will be 50% of your business or more in the future. What do you think it will be? Hmm. I think if we see some uh, early adopter countries as UK or China, uh, I would say close to 50. Yes, for sure. Even more. I think IKEA's recent annual report they mentioned is roughly 26% now, but uh, I'm not sure if that, I assume that includes click, click and collect as an online order as well. Right? Yes. So that's both delivery and click and collect, which is 26% for IKEA. Ordered, ordered online, you could say. But, and it, uh, what percentage of that is actually purely online? So like actually, you know, last, last mile, including last mile delivery. Roughly. Again, it depends on the country. Uh, in some countries, it could be around uh, 20. In some countries, it will be around 5% max. So it depends on the country. Which, which countries are the highest or lowest? UK. UK and China are the early adopters of uh, e-commerce in general. So IKEA is following the same uh, trends. And the lower, I would say, I would say, um, yes, uh, maybe sometimes small country where you don't have a huge traffic to reach the store. When you are uh, usually, you prefer usually to, to go to the store and to be inspired. But in the big cities and big countries, uh, of course, it's more difficult. Or because in a big city, the traffic is too huge. Uh, or because you are far away from an IKEA store. How do France and Germany compare to the UK? Uh, I would say both of the country um, were traditional on their um, selling online and really with a really low share of e-commerce. But now they have really started to move on. And they are moving on at the same pace as the country. So uh, if you say uh, in France, 15% of the, on the sales uh, online, they are following the same trends. Of course, they are starting from different, different points, but they are following the same trends. So let's just assume that, you know, it's 2030 and 50% of the furniture industry is ordered online. Like what would you estimate of that 50%, you know, what is click and collect and what is full delivery? It's, it's a good question, of course. I would say it depends for what, um, but every kind of product, every product, sofas, kitchens, 
mattresses. People would prefer to order online and to be delivered because otherwise they need to have a truck or van or big, uh, big car to transport that, uh, that goods. So for that, clearly, if at the, if the price is not a, a, a big matters, they would prefer the price of the transportation, sorry, uh, they would prefer uh, to be delivered clearly. Small furniture, it depends, because if you are, as a customer, if you are delivered quickly, it's okay. But if you have to wait one week or two weeks to be delivered, uh, you will go to the store and you will pick up your, your, your tools, for example, your chair. And the same for accessories. So it depends of the range, but I would say all in all, uh, if you have to buy uh, one of the huge, uh, big f- furniture and some accessories, you will order online and you will uh, be delivered. It's more convenient, of course, even though if you have to pay something. Eh? So all the large and bulky orders, are, or the majority of them are typically going to move on online. Yes. Which means that having, having that inventory close to customers and then having some kind of last mile service where you can control the experience is, is important. Is important, of course, of course, because we are in a, IKEA is in a tran- transition phase. In the future, when it will be uh, a little bit uh, clearer, when we could say 50% of the business will be online, you can organize yourself. Uh, as a store to be ready to, uh, to, to prepare the goods for the customer. But we are in a transition because it's not really 50%. Uh, in some stores, it's depending also of the store at the store level, not at the country level. In some store, it's really few. It's maybe 5%. In other stores, it's 20% or 25%. It's really depending of the country habit and on the locally on the big countries uh, on the store habit or customer habit locally. So it's in the between, in fact. What type of products are typically click and collect? Small products, small furniture, chairs, table, quilt cover. Yeah, small, really small products because you can put it in your car. And, uh, and it's easy to do. Uh, big, as I said, and big, big furniture would be more on, um, online and be delivered. Well, it's just so the customer thinks, okay, I'm going to go online, see if IKEA has a chair or a lamp or whatever it may be. If it, and then I can see that it's in stock at my nearest store. I can order it. I can pay for it online and then go and pick it up immediately. As long as IKEA will be not able to deliver in one hour, for example, or two hours, uh, it will be the case. Why, why can't IKEA just run their own last mile delivery, own the vans, hire people and deliver the products themselves? They are not delivering the last mile delivery is not done by IKEA employee. Yeah. They are using different kind of companies to, uh, uh, delivery companies to do it. Huh? Even for one store, you could have uh, two, three, four uh, different companies to do it. But can't, can't IKEA run this themselves? No, no, no. It's an external company doing it. Wouldn't it save the cost if IKEA could do this themselves? Like, for example, Wayfair, 
Wayfair is is now running their own last mile service to to save costs. Maybe it's a business case to be studied. <laughs> uh, it's a uh, it's another it's another job. Huh? It's not the same initial job, but of course it could be could could be investigated. Of course, because yeah, I remember I remember I ordered um I think I ordered a wardrobe of IKEA you know last year. I think the delivery price was I don't know like maybe seven to eight percent of the total cost. Nine percent, maybe. It's pretty high. Yeah, so maybe that would that would deter people if it's expensive, especially for those larger, bulky products. That if it's if it's expensive, then it kind of goes against the target customer for IKEA. Mm. But you have to know why it's expensive, because when you are delivering a sofa, for example, or a Pax uh, wardrobe, you need two men because it's so heavy. It's not possible to have just uh, you know the truck driver. Uh, providing you the product like that, uh, and and that's why it's really a costly for the company and for the customer at the end. So, I mean, back to the customer behavior then. So, do you? Ha- so, fifty. Let's say you just you know fifty percent online total in ten years time. Most of the large and and bulky items will be full delivery, so including the last mile, and then some of the furniture, some of the smaller furnishings, accessories will be click and collect. How? Why can't the accessories go to delivery as well? Why do you think they're going to stay click and collect? Because you will have always people coming in the store to be inspired and to feel and touch product. What IKEA has not has not noticed is um, people is coming less often than before, but they are coming because when you want to buy something a huge investment as a kitchen as a sofa as a mattresses uh, you would like to test and try products and at that moment the concept is so well done you will be temp- you will have the temptation to to buy another accessory so so you need to have accessory available for the customer who comes in in your in your store so so you think stores are Stores still have huge value in this industry, more than even more so than other retailers. I, I guess it will be both again. It will be inspiration and uh, touch and feel uh, products, uh, and uh, warehouse to prepare uh, to prepare goods for the last mile delivery. And we have big stores, huh? so we can also make some fluctuation between that. Uh, but inspiration is always fundamental. So, so how how the distribution centers different to a store? Are they obviously they're just, they're just you know massive warehouses with inventory? It's because you can put robots inside, for example. <laughs> you can uh, be really precise with the preparation. You don't have to. You have just one flow in and one flow out. In a store, you have different flows in and out still, but in different ways. So it's making the operation more complex or complicated. Do you place more of the large and bulky stuff in the distribution center and then less of the furni- less of the furnishings and accessories, or do you place everything evenly? Everything in this large uh, warehouse. So when when you think about uh, IKEA's supply chain, obviously it's been pioneered over what you know forty fifty years, specifically for the store for for the stores. To give a great experience, have the availability. How do you compare 
IKEA's current structure to an online retailer who doesn't have the store base? It's a, it's a good question as well. The challenge for IKEA is to become multi-channel retailer, of course, because all the business, all the operating model has been done without e-commerce. And it has been a really strong concept and, um, and, uh, and model, business model. To be both digital and, and physical, of course, it's really a challenge to make it happen. Of course, an online uh, player would have the chance to start from the blank page and to say, okay, what we are going to do to be better, to deliver quicker, to um, provide the best uh, product at the right time to the customer. So they will have more agility, for sure. Because they will not have to change so much to make a, a really profitable business. Uh, for, I- for IKEA, they have to change almost everything <laughs> to, to, to really be uh, profitable, efficient, uh, and to give and to continue to give a right and good experience to the customers. This is the main difference. What's the most difficult thing to change for IKEA to shift to multi-channel? I think they will have to accept to be, to have some help from other companies and mainly innovative companies as the startups, for example. And they will have to, to accept to lose a little bit of control of a fantastic running business and to make some experiences around new way of working, new way of distributing, new way of uh, uh, providing goods to the customers. Uh, they would need to let it go a little bit, uh, things, and to be creative and to think out of the box. And that is the main challenge, because when you are disrupted, you would like to keep everything under the control. This is the first reflex. Uh, and if you accept a bit to let it go and to use the creativity of your countries, teams in a store, whatever, you will have maybe some good solution to experiment and you will have maybe some bad solution, of course. Huh? Um, so this is one way for me to move forward. And it could be inside the company, it could be also outside of the company. They have started to do that, huh? but slowly, but they have started. Uh, could be working with, um, uh, you know, as I said, a startup, innovative startups or scale-ups, uh, providing them solutions and, uh, and working with that startup or scale-up. And that startup will make some, will take some risk, but they will improve and they will be more agile to improve and to deliver a, a good solution. So it, it, it's almost like just, when a business is so successful in one model, they get used to it and it's ingrained in their culture. Sometimes you need a, a different perspective or a bit of a shakeup to, to adapt. What are the specific problems that you would target? Let's say if you're running IKEA today, like what would you really target to, 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 you know, as, as the core problem in, in shifting online? What would you be focusing your attention on? I will, uh, I will focus on, um, digital as a tool to improve the whole 
experience in a store for sure and the whole separation and the last mile delivery. I will focus on that. But it's also their focus. Huh? It's not only my focus, but uh, they are working really hard on that. Uh, but it's really, too, for me, too slow. The direction is done and the direction is really good. Uh, the way of moving in that direction is a little bit slow at that moment. But, but what are they doing for the last mile exactly? What, what can you do? You have many, uh, plenty of uh, solution. Huh? You have, um, uh, for example, you have fantastic uh, startups uh, uh, working on that uh, last mile delivery, doing job in a profitable way. And uh, because it's another job, <laughs> it's not IKEA job. And they have expertise around it. So I can tell you exactly what they are doing different, but they have solutions. So why not using their solution? The last mile is one thing that I, you know, I've, I've been, I've been thinking about a lot. But the one thing I don't understand is that the the last mile is the same for every, it's the same for every retailer, right? You, you like you said, you need two guys, preferably that are can, can lift a big sofa off a van, and then it's and you know you can only fill a van so much with sofas or other large items. So it, it's it's kind of you know, you need the same assets effectively for for the journey, whether you're an offline retail, online retailer. So, at, at what point, at what volume do you need, or at what point does a retailer say, "Actually, I've got to do this to myself and have it a branded experience and control the customer experience, you know, and give a really, you know, a ten star experience and delivery, and make it profitable, or do you just keep outsourcing it to?" you know, UPS or, you know, all these bigger outsourced providers. You know, what's your view on that decision really as a retailer? Yes, I would say you need to take that um, kind of decision, taking into account not only that problematic of uh, last mile delivery, but overall issues or overall challenges you have uh, in, in the world. Because at the same time, you need to, Continue to operate and to, to make turnover and profit. You need to uh, improve the last mile delivery process, but you also need to improve the customer experience in the store. Uh, you need to digitalize the preparation in the store. We talked about it just before. Uh, and to, to have more engine, to be smarter, to prepare good from the store. So you have a lot of things to do. Uh, and to make choice to say, okay, to make a focus on last mile delivery could be one, but you have also the rest to take care about. Uh, and it's a matter of resources, it's a matter of expertise, it's a matter of investment, of course. And you have to have in mind, we are not talking small volume, we are talking huge volume. So it's, it's a journey. It's a journey. And it's a matter of priorities and it's a journey to focus on the right direction at the right moment. So you mentioned last mile is one thing you'd look at. What about the digital experience, improving the, the store experience? How would you approach that? In fact, we need to continue to um, inspire uh, customers in the store. That for sure, I can need to do that. This is um, is really his friends, strengths, and 
they need to continue on that. But the way it's done is using a lot of space, as we talk about. We could have digital tools to uh, use less space and to present range in a different way with uh, virtual realities one or to do as uh, made.com when you are coming in their store. They have a way of presenting range in in different way. You can test and try and feel so far, and you will have tons of uh, fabrics connected to it, but not tons of sofa, the same sofa in in a, in a showroom. So you need to rethink a bit uh, the 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 way of presenting goods, and to use all possibilities. Well, and just take take made for example, or I guess any online retailer, furniture retailer. You know, they have very different. They, they have kind of true showrooms, right? Unlike what IKEA, which has huge stores, warehouse plus a store showroom plus a restaurant, etc. Right. So, you know, if I think of the adv- the advantage of an online player like Made or these other companies, I can still visit the store and get inspired and see the range and see the curation of the products. I can place an order in store if I like, or I can go away and place online. But that that then gets shipped from the same centralized warehouse rather than trying to hold inventory in store. So how, how do you look at the store footprint for you know the potential advantage that an online retailer could have in having smaller footprints that could inspire, but then having more centralized distribution that could be more efficient? It's, this is a good question because, in fact, either you focus on a centralized warehouse and you will use the store only for inspiration, either you will do the contrary, other way around. And uh, it's not easy because it depends where you are located. If you are located in a inner city or in, a, in big cities or in the middle of nowhere, so you have different kind of um, situation, I would say. And it's not possible to say all stores in the world will be, will operate in that way. Uh, it can be really situational. That's why it's not easy to, to build. Of course, it's not impossible, but it's not easy. It will take time. But it's, it's interesting because IKEA kind of has a bit of both, right? It's, it's like a, it's like a distribution center or a warehouse and a, and a showroom. Whereas the online players seem to have mainly only a showroom. What is the Maison du Monde, for example, is doing this, that, and they have only showroom. Uh, you have some accessories that you can take, um, but furniture you order online or in a store. I think it will come like that to IKEA. It's not the case, but it will come. But up till, until now, it was a kind of uh, instinct of gratification to have your goods immediately was so important for the customers. But I would say for big furniture, it's less and less important to have it immediately. But if you, if it, if you could get it next day or in the next two days from a centralized warehouse, it's it's probably good enough, right? Yes, exactly, exactly. How do you see IKEA stores changing the structure, the layout, the size? I know they've experimented with some smaller ones already, I believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you talk about only the structure of uh, traditional stores, they are changing already, yeah. You know, this mandatory uh, way to shop 
and to go upstairs and to shop or to shop to visit the, 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 the showroom, to go downstairs, downstairs and to go to self-serve. Most of the time they are changing the, 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 the layout and uh, allowing you to go directly to the market hall, for example. If you just need one thing, you don't have to do the big tour of the store just for one thing because you are wasting a lot of time. They are changing that at that moment. Not in all stores, but progressively they are changing. And it's important to do it because people are really fed up to do that, to do a big tour for just buy a spoon. <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, I get confused. I get lost every time I, I, I go into Ikea. So yeah, I'd rather just go straight to the warehouse or bottom bit. So what about the size of the work, uh, the stores? The size of the store, they are, they are trying in different formats at that moment, uh, in mainly inner city to be closer to the customers. And, uh, it's working, uh, because, um, only a showroom, a showroom and accessories. Huh? In UK, for example, you have a lot of, uh, uh, thematic as a kitchen or kitchen and wardrobe showroom where you can order, um, your 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 goods but in some of the countries as in France in Paris you have two two stores where you can do the same but you you have also um, some accessories not all but some accessories to pick up yourself so it's it, it's a much smaller warehouse yeah yeah it, it, no without warehouse huh? just a small showroom a small place when you pick up your small objects the conclusion out of that um, i don't know <laughs> i don't know the future will uh, will see what will uh, happen uh, but it's a test yeah because I, I believe they opened a new one in i think in hammersmith in london which was a smaller footprint mainly should make you know, more more of a showroom rob you know less kind of well obviously no big warehouse like you have in the in the tottenham there's a there's a huge huge ikea in tottenham here in north london it's just takes you an hour to get around. Yeah. Um, so if we look forward 10 years, what would you estimate the typical store of IKEA to look like? I think it will be different. It will be, as I said, more digital and it will be more free flow layout and not mandatory layout for the customers. They will keep restaurant or somewhere you can sit and eat something. Could be a fast food or could be a real restaurant. I don't know, but somewhere a restaurant because that is important. It's part of the ex customer experience and, um, a big warehouse to prepare goods sometimes uh, when we talk about stores outside of the city. And when it will be inside of the city, will be only showroom, and you can pick some some articles, but really few, just because it's a uh, an impulsion. <laughs> you buy by impulsion. What are your thoughts on you know, a company like Wayfair, which seems to be you know, obviously built online? They're now they're now looking to own more of the logistics. You know, they own the more of a supply chain. But they're also moving to open showrooms now and, and kind of, you know, proper stores they're looking to do. Like, how, how do you compare, you know, 
where they're coming from as an online retailer and the potential advantages that an online retailer may have over traditional retailers in the furniture industry. Yeah, because in fact, in a way, they have started from the most difficult business doing uh, business online to inspire customer online and to deliver uh, their goods at home. So we have started on from that part and it's the most difficult part, in fact, no others at least. And, uh, and now they're extending their business offline. And I think it's really good. It's really, uh, really clever because as I said, people still need stores. The store will not die, especially in that area and that, uh, with that product, the kind of products. Uh, so I think it's really good because they are well known online. It's working. People, more or less, I guess, they are really happy to have their, their goods. It's working in a really uh, good lead time. And uh, now they are building stores, showroom, only showroom without stock. I think it's really good. It's unfortunate their brand. Which products or customers do you not think that could serve that just pure showroom? I don't think uh, you would have uh, a lot of... Oh, it could be connected on a way of using um, e-commerce or internet for old people, but otherwise I don't see a big hindrance to do uh, uh, like that. Because it, it, it goes back to this experience where you know, the online players, the, you know, just because of the way they've started their business, you're moving from online to offline. You've built up the distribution centers, the, the last mile, the logistics. So really what you can do is inspire with a, a showroom. And if I go into the showroom, I can place an order online and just get it delivered from the, from their centralized you know, the infrastructure. What it will make the difference, it will be the, the, the people inside the, the, the showroom. Will you advise, of course, which, who will um, advise you, but will uh, inspire you as well. And um, the way you will receive and you will welcome that customer will be essential because otherwise you're right, you click and you will be delivered, but you need to have another experience in the store. And food will help for sure. But of course, if you have only food, you could also go to a restaurant, a normal restaurant. But food could help. It's, I think, a really good tool to create emotional connection with the customer. But you will need more. And more will be mainly for people in different ways, but for people. That's why uh, the, the, the quality of welcoming uh, people, uh, customers in the store will be so important and is so important already now. Well, and that, that's the real advantage that IKEA has with their stores is that you go in there and you can be inspired. You have help from, from the employees and it's far more different. It's a, a better experience when you're buying a big ticket item than just using and browsing online. And making a purchase. So what do you think are the biggest challenges for the online retailers? I would say just one word, profitability. <laughs> to make to make business profitable and to be sure to be profitable. Not knowing in which direction will go their business. If we will increase dramatically online 
or not, or if because it will require another setup, if it will increase dramatically, as we said, or, or yes, it will be profitability uh, only. But, but do, do you, you know, what are the reasons why e-commerce is not 20, 50% of furniture in, in 10 years' time? Is that really a possibility? It will be a possibility, but I think it will be connected to the price delivery, mainly. If, of course, the price delivery is so high, of course, you will think twice. Huh? Uh, but if we crack the code on that, I think e-commerce will be around 50-50, yes. But we need to be really clever and to innovate at each step, each step of the, of the process. And, uh, and all retailers are not there. Uh, some of them are more in advance, but you need to really, you know, slide the elephant in different pieces and to find a solution for each of them to improve and to make more profitable your business. Well, I guess this is why Wayfair is is building out the their last mile and, and own the last mile. I guess. Yes, exactly, and in the store as well. <laughs> <laughs>